Kia ora, and welcome to all the free subscribers to the Kaka. This is a sample of the daily podcast that I do for paying subscribers. I'm including today a couple of the full interviews I've done uh, on the economic and housing news of the day. This is from uh, yesterday when I spoke to NZIER's principal economist, Christina Leung, about the quarterly survey of business opinion, which showed a slump to a record low in business confidence about the wider economy, in large part because of the Reserve Bank's cool your jets comments on November the 23rd. I also include a full interview with Satish Ranchot, who is Westpac's senior economist, and he's done a very interesting and useful housing bulletin on how the refixing of mortgages this year might translate through into consumer spending. And there's links to both the summary of the NZIER's QSBO and the full bulletin above the paywall fold in today's email. Enjoy. Kia ora and welcome to Christina Leung, who is the Principal Economist for the NZIER. On a big day, the quarterly release of the Quarterly Survey of Business Opinion, this is the big daddy of them all for uh, business surveys and is watched closely by everyone, including the Reserve Bank. Christina, fantastic to have you on the kaka. Hello, thanks for having me aboard. Tell us about the headlines of the survey and how it was connected to the Reserve's Bank, the Reserve Bank's November 23 statement. So the latest NZIER quarterly survey of business opinion shows a deterioration in both headline business confidence and also activity in firms' own business. Now, a net 73% of businesses are expecting a worsening in general economic conditions over the coming months on a seasonally adjusted basis. That's the weakest over the history of our business survey going all the way back to 1970. Tell us. Put that into some context, because right now we've got an economy with, in theory, 3.3% unemployment. We've got wage growth, you know, running at um, 5 to 10%, depending on who you are. Uh, we've got anyone who wants a job and is able to work can probably get one pretty quickly. But why is business in particular, and consumers aren't that thrilled either, it seems, why is business feeling more anxious, depressed than at any time in our history going back to the 1970s when, you know, we've had recessions with unemployment at nearly 11%. You know, we've had a global financial crisis, oil shocks. Are people really that grumpy? So this survey was taken from the 28th of November of last year. Now, that's after the Reserve Bank released in November monetary policy statement uh, back on the 24th of November. And at that time, uh, their statement indicated um, that it the Reserve Bank would look to increase interest rates quite a bit more than what everyone had initially expected. So you can call it, it was a more hawkish statement. Um, the fact that we've had a quite rapid clip in interest rate increases, as you say, right here, right now, things, activity is still holding up fairly well, but certainly knowing that um, 
with all the interest rate increases we've already had, and there's further more to come over the coming year, there is a lot of apprehension about just how much demand will be dampened as a result of this. Um, this latest survey does point to some signs of softening in demand um, across some of the sectors already. Uh, for example, if you look across uh, the, the fact that pessimism was broad-based across the sectors, but particularly so in the building and retail sector. Um, if you look at for the building sector, um, there's been a decline. The firms have reported a decline in both new orders and output. So what we've seen, um, StatsNZ recently released uh, dwelling consent issuance data, which shows that consent issuance is still holding up at fairly high level. So we do, um, it does suggest that in the near term anyway, over the first half of this year, that the pipeline of construction work should still remain fairly solid. But these more forward-looking indicators point to that um, weakening in construction activity. And we're likely to see that become more apparent over the second half of this year. Yeah, there seems to have been a, a new and big gap that has opened up between businesses <clears throat> excuse me, uh, businesses' perceptions about the wider economy over the next wee while and their own business activity, but it is also down. Can you give us a sense of how big mm. that gap is and uh, how it has changed over the decades? Yeah, so if you look over the history of the survey, headline business confidence does tend to be a lot more volatile than that measure of firms own domestic trading activity. Um, it's not surprising if asking businesses how they feel, generally you're going to see more swings in perceptions and feel, sentiment itself than when it comes to what they're actually experiencing in terms of demand in their own business. But in this latest, um, for the December quarter, we have seen a net 13% of businesses also reporting a decline in activity in their own business. So it does point to a slow in economic activity over uh, into 2023. And tell us about what people are saying around employment and not only their own costs, but what they're expecting to do with their own prices. Mm. So when it comes to firstly the labour market indicators, uh, we're seeing a net 2% of businesses uh, had reduced staff numbers in the December quarter. Um, now that's a bit of, it's a turnaround from that very strong hiring demand that we've been seeing over the recent years. So uh, with the fact that uh, businesses are feeling more pessimistic. We've already seen that come through in terms of firms peering back on business investment, but this is now starting to creep into hiring as well. Um, added on top of that, looking forward, a net 9% of businesses are looking to reduce staff numbers, so we do expect further slowing in employment ahead. That said, though, um, the labour market still remains fairly tight, so we only have to look at indicators such as asking businesses what the primary constraint on their business is, um, and Finding labour still remains the top primary constraint for businesses. Um, and also when it comes to asking businesses um, how easy it is to find both skilled and unskilled labour, um, once again, we're seeing that increased difficulty um, amounts firms in finding both skilled and unskilled labour. So overall, these indicators suggest that um, the labour market remains tight, but there are some signs of slowing when it comes to employment demand. So inflation um, is still around and uh, we've got the worst of both worlds, you could argue, with very uh, poor business sentiment, but also still rising prices. 
What do you think the Reserve Bank might make of um, today's survey? The latest results does put the Reserve Bank in a tricky position. Certainly with its uh, rapid pace of interest rate increases, its intention has been to dampen demand such that it will take some of that heat out of the economy in order to reduce inflation pressures to bring annual inflation back towards its 1% to 3% target band. So when it comes to demand, yes, we are seeing the signs of weakening in demand across a broad range of sectors. However, when we're looking at inflation indicators, unfortunately they do suggest that high inflation will persist into this year so overall um, for the Reserve Bank in terms of how it responds being it does suggest that continued high inflation does suggest that further work needs to be done in terms of interest rate increases over the coming year. So um, we've got the Reserve Bank forecasting at least in on November the 23rd that they would have to put up the official cash rate to five and a half percent later this year to cool everyone's jets. Uh, what's your view on uh, whether they'll get there? So the Reserve Bank had indicated at the November MPS that it would take the OCR all the way up to 5.5% um, and that it would do be do, looking to do this at quite a rapid pace. Um, certainly the latest set of NZIA, Kuli Survey Business Opinion results, suggest that demand is now starting to slow quite markedly. And so it will be interesting to see just how much the Reserve Bank takes that on board in terms of the pace of tightening it um, thinks will be, it needs to over um, the coming months. Um, certainly when you look abroad, other central banks are starting to slow the pace of their tightening, particularly over in the US. Um, so for the Reserve Bank, if it was to continue to increase interest rates at a rapid pace, it will be quite uh, um, out uh, increase uh, that pace will be quite a bit more than where we're, what we're seeing across the other major central banks. So um, do you think they'll have to get up to five and a half percent or have they already done enough work and there is already enough of a cooling uh, that that they can um, ease the foot off the brake? Our forecasts are for the Reserve Bank to increase the OCR to 5%, but of course recognising the upside risk to our forecast, especially given that the Reserve Bank has indicated that it will take interest OCR all the way up to 5.5%. We do believe that um, with almost half of mortgages coming up for repricing over the coming year. Many of these households, as they roll off hysterically low fixed term mortgage rates of 2 to 3% onto something around 6 to 7%, this will mean a substantial increase in mortgage repayments. And um, in turn, that will see an adjustment, particularly when it comes to discretionary spending and see that further drive that further slowing in retail spending and across uh, flowing through to the broader economy. So we we expect that as um, this happens, this transmission is more lagged, just with that substantial proportion of uh, debt that's uh, on fixed term rates. But as we start to see that come through, then it'll become more apparent and should be enough for the Reserve Bank um, in terms of bringing inflation back towards its target then of 1% to 3%. Now, central banks like to um, use what they call the jawbone to achieve their aims, as well as, you know, the hard lever of putting up or down interest rates. That November the 23rd press conference and the set of forecasts, you could argue, 
we're a pretty big jawbone. The cool your jets comments and the acknowledgement that the Reserve Bank wanted to engineer a recession to try to get inflation under control. Do you think they got good bang from for their buck in terms of jawboning and then effect? Certainly, if you look at the fact that um, business confidence has dropped so markedly now to new record lows, it would suggest that uh, businesses at least have are spooked by what's happened in the wake of the November monetary policy statement. Um, and we do, um, it, yeah, overall, we do expect that um, further slowing over the coming year. As a result of that. So just finally, you know, we're in an election year now. Um, the survey doesn't obviously ask people about their views on who should be in the government or how they feel politically, but it's clear there is a bit of a pattern in the business confidence survey and other business confidence surveys that when Labour is in power, businesses tend to be less confident about the economy at large than, than they are about their own businesses. Uh, um, how much of a role do you think the election and any uncertainty about the results and any expectations of change or otherwise might have on business confidence in the year ahead? Yeah, it's pretty interesting um, looking at the history of the Coalition of Our Business Opinion throughout the election. So firstly, um, just ahead of the general election, we do tend to see some uh, un more because of that more uncertainty creeping through that weighs on business confidence. So even regardless of which party is expected to be in power, just that uncertainty over the outcome of the general election ahead in the quarter prior, you do tend to see that have a dampening impact on uh, business confidence itself. Now, after the general election, as you say, when it comes to headline confidence, you do tend to see uh, an improved uh, higher confidence under a national-led government versus uh, lower confidence under a Labour-led government. But I always bring out this chart that shows if you were to bring out, um, have a chart of headline business confidence, you could generally pick out which are the periods where uh, national uh, won the election versus the one where uh, Labour won the election. But when you bring out that chart of own domestic trading activity, um, it's a lot harder to pick out because uh, the reality is when it comes to the actual impact on activity itself, um, there is uh, the difference between the two is uh, very muted. And so if you wanted to um, winnow out any political um, vibe in the business survey, which of the two indicators, the confidence about general business conditions and confidence about own activity is, do you think, a more accurate uh, leading indicator of, of how the economy is going, how businesses are, are doing? So if we look over the history of the server, certainly the own domestic trading activity measure has a greater predictive ability for what's going on in economic activity. Um, but that said, though, with confidence, it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of with business uh, feeling downbeat, they do tend to peer back on things such as hiring and investment, which is what we're starting to see now. And if that was then to continue, then that in the slowing in employment demand um, and in business investment in turn leads to a slowing and broader economic activity. So the, uh, the linkage between headline confidence and broader activity is a lot 
uh, is more indirect, you can say, uh, but certainly it does um, is it does have some good indicators for what's how the economy is going to track over the coming years. Christine Leung, the principal economist for the NZIR, thank you very much for being on the Kaka, and we'll we'll be back in touch for the March quarter QSBO um, in a few months' time. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Interesting times ahead. Excellent. And welcome to Satish Ranchot, who is a senior economist at Westpac and has just put out an excellent uh, bulletin this morning on how the change in fixed mortgage rates that people will be paying this year, about half of those paying fixed mortgages will be rolling over this year, how that might flow through into the economy in terms of spending. So Satish, um, tell us what is the scale of the change in living costs for those people who have mortgages? Kia ora, Bernard. I think what we're looking at for a lot of households are pressures on two big fronts. First is the general rise in inflation. And on that front, we're still looking at rates of about 7%, well outside the Reserve Bank's band. But the other issue that mortgage holders will be very conscious of right now is that interest rates have been rising rapidly over the past year. And those increases, to give you a bit of scale, they've risen from rates of around 2 to 3%. We saw at the depths of the pandemic up to rates now that are over 6%. So some pretty hefty increases in those rates that they are facing. So for many borrowers, you are going to be rolling off what were record low rates up to something that is probably a little bit above average. Now, in terms of what that means in terms of your debt servicing costs, if you were living in an area outside of Auckland and you purchased an average home with a normal 80% mortgage, well, you could be seeing your weekly payments increasing by more than $400 a week. If you're in Auckland where prices are quite a bit higher, that increase is much larger. In some cases, households could be needing to find around $800 every fortnight more than they're currently paying. And that is going to be a big squeeze on their purchasing power. Yeah, you've got an excellent uh, table in here, which goes through the various regions and looks at the potential increase in fortnightly mortgage payments for someone who bought a house in November uh, 2020 and had to borrow an 80% mortgage. So as you say, more than $800 in Auckland, ouch, uh, and the average across New Zealand per fortnight, the increase about $588 up to nearly $1,700. Uh, uh, but people's incomes have been rising over that time. I see that you're saying that the median fortnightly household income is up about $270. And not everyone, of course, has got an 80% mortgage or has just bought a home. Those headline numbers, you know, up um, $600 or so a fortnight sound almost catastrophic. But can you unpack a bit how many households are actually having to... Um, take that sort of hit because there'll be a bunch who either are renting therefore don't have a mortgage or maybe uh, own a home and don't have a mortgage um lucky buggers uh, but uh, can you give us a sense of you know that's the worst case how much of the population are facing that Exactly. It's going to feel like a very different economy depending on where you are in terms of your family life cycle and in terms of your home ownership. Uh, about a third of us own their home outright. Even for those homeowners though, they'll still be facing that pressure on the cost of living and those increases have been pretty big. 
if we think about the other two thirds of the population, well, about a third of all families do have a home with a mortgage on it. Even within that group though, there are some big differences. If you purchased your home, say five, 10 years ago, you've had a pretty decent run the last few years. Your mortgage rates come down, that's giving you the chance to rebuild your savings while still paying down your mortgage. Now, interest rates are on their way back up, but they're going back around average levels, probably about what you would have seen when you first purchased your home. So while you're certainly gonna slow down your spending, it's really a return to average. The area where we do see some risk though are first home buyers who entered the market maybe over the last year or two. Those are buyers who probably had to purchase at the peak of the housing market. Now what we've seen is potentially the value of their assets have dropped. They're facing big increases in their debt servicing costs. And at the same time, well, they probably haven't had the same ability to increase their savings as other homeowners might have had. So those households could be facing a pretty significant squeeze on their spending power. Now, there's so what, of course another big, oh, pardon me, I was going to say there's another big group in the economy who uh, we didn't talk about who don't have a mortgage at all or don't live in their own home. Though it's uh, renters, and that's a big chunk of the economy. And I think for those households, while they'll still be facing some pressures from the cost of living, the other issue that they will probably need to be conscious of is, well, many landlords will be facing increases in their operating costs or in their own debt servicing costs. And so that could mean ongoing pressure on rent. So even renters could be facing some challenges over the coming year. So we've had uh, higher interest rates now for about a year, and a lot of people, as you say, were on fixed rates one or two years, and it's only now they're rolling off. But we've had some data to show what uh, the impact has been on consumer spending. And on the face of it, um, there hasn't been a massive drop off in spending. And even over Christmas, New Year, I see the the world line, the paymark figures show reasonably robust spending. Uh, is it possible that enough people have built up enough savings and uh, there are enough people who aren't necessarily facing such a big hit that it doesn't have a huge impact on spending and the economy overall? We've come into the current period from a pretty strong position. You know, through the pandemic, the New Zealand economy performed pretty well. We came out of lockdown you know, in relatively good state. We've had high levels of unemployment, strong jobs growth and savings have increased. And you know, that has provided a big buffer for spending. In fact, if we look at nominal spending levels, they've held up very well, including in discretionary areas where we've seen big price increases. So that does point to some pretty solid spending appetites. What I'm really conscious of though is conditions are starting to change. You know, we are seeing those pressures coming through on households, they're becoming more of a squeeze. And a big part of the resilience that Oh, well, that underpins the resilience we had over the past year was the fact that people hadn't felt the full brunt of those interest rate increases. They were still on those very low fixed mortgage rates, but over the next 12 months or so, increasing numbers of households are going to find that their mortgage costs are going to increase. And as we discussed, you know, it is going to be very different across different sectors of the economy, but I still think that the squeeze we're going to see coming through for many households from mortgage payments combined with the high costs of living increases is going to be a pretty important drag. I mean, we're expecting that overall household spending is actually going to start to go backwards by the end of this year. And with household spending accounting for 60% of the overall economy, that's going to be a big driver of economic growth. We think that there's a chance that we will actually see a mild recession by the end of this year, extending into 2024. 
Now, the reason we have these higher interest rates is the Reserve Bank is trying to cool down the economy. Do you think that this lagged effect, the half of people with mortgages having to reprice in this coming year, is enough to slow down inflation? Or does the Reserve Bank have to do more, as it forecast back in late November, potentially putting up the official cash rate to 5.5%? Essentially, you know, has the Reserve Bank done enough already? Or will it have to keep keep on, you know, pushing hard on the brake? What we are looking at are some very strong and quite persistent inflation pressures. Even though the Reserve Bank's been hiking the cash rate for a year now, that underlying core inflation rate that strips out the volatile movements, it really hasn't started to drop off at this stage. So we think that the Reserve Bank is going to have to continue hiking the cash rate. We're picking another 75 basis point move in February after that jumbo size moved at the end of last year. And we expect that'll be followed by another 50 basis points later in the year. Now, we think that that will probably be enough for the Reserve Bank to hit pause, wait for the full impact of those interest rate increases to ripple through the economy. Even then, it's going to take a while for inflation to come back down to that 3% target. We don't think it'll be back in the band until mid-2024 at the earliest. So financial markets seem to be uh, picking that the Reserve Bank might have to start cutting interest rates towards the end of the year. And for those people who are refixing at the moment um, what could you say to them about you know how long do they squeeze tight and and hold on to a short-term rate or um, how they might think about the length of their mortgage I think the really key thing for a lot of us to watch, including if we're thinking about where mortgage rates going, is what's happening to that inflation picture. We really need to see those pressures coming off before the Reserve Bank is going to start to feel comfortable that they can take their foot off the brake. Inflation's already running at over 7%. We're looking at ongoing pressures coming from abroad. Against that backdrop, I think the pressure on interest rates is going to remain in place at least through this year. It's not until we begin to see inflation moving materially down that the Reserve Bank will start to think about easing off. Satish Ranchild, who is the Senior Economist at Westpac, thank you so much for being on the Kaka and for your bulletin note, which I'll link to a full copy uh, from the, uh, uh, the newsletter. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bernard.